This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going to close out a series that we've been in as a church called Not of This World. We've been doing a deep dive through the book of Hebrews together as a church, one verse at a time, one chapter at a time. We've been in 20 weeks of the book of Hebrews. And today we're going to close it out with a message I'm calling 12 Rules for Life. 12 Rules for Life. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Jordan Peterson. Maybe you know him. He's kind of a controversial figure to most, but he wrote a book called 12 Rules of Life. And today we're not going to talk about his book. We're going to talk about God's 12 Rules of Life from his book, the book of Hebrews today. And these are 12 practical ways that I believe you can follow things that God has for you that will lead you to live a life full of purpose, full of promise, and full of blessing. Say it with me. Purpose promise and blessing. There it is. We got two of them up there for you. So that works. So let's jump right in. If you have a Bible, go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to begin today in verse one. We're going to move fast for the sake of time, but these are 12 ways or 12 imperatives that God gives us to live a life full of purpose and blessing. Let's start with number one today. Number one, you got to keep on loving. Cause I'm gonna keep on loving you. All right, nobody else wants to sing with me today. That's all right. It's the only thing I wanna. All right, you guys know the song. Come on, some of you seasoned ones. Here's what verse one says. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters, as the people of God. What we call as the church, the family of God. You know, that's what the church is. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It's certainly not a corporation. It's a family. Now, we know it's also a flock. We know it, it's also a body. We know we have all these analogies, right, that Scripture gives us. But first and foremost, it is a family. At Courageous Church, we like to say it this way. When you're here, you're family. All right? You guys been to Olive Garden? When you're here, you're family. We're, we're like Olive Garden, but with just far less breadsticks. Okay. But here's the interesting thing about the word love here in the context of this verse. The word for love here is not the word agape, which is like an unconditional kind of godly love. No, it's a brotherly love. It's the word Philadelphia, right? You've heard of the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Well, that's the kind of love that is being expressed here. The kind of love that you love your brother or your sister with in Christ. And that's what we're called to do, to keep on loving. So as we step into our fifth year as a church, here's what I want to say to those of you that consider this your home church. Keep on loving. Keep on loving. Keep on loving in the year of election. Keep on loving your neighbors. Keep on loving those that are hard to love. And talking about your mother-in-laws and your father-in-laws at Thanksgiving. Keep on loving those people as well. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Number two, you got to welcome the outsider. Here's what verse two goes on to say. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Hospitality is really all about welcoming the outsider in. It's this idea of showing hospitality to people who are not family and treating them as if they are family. Amen? So if people are in your life or in your sphere of influence or in your world, and God has given you the ability 
to show the love of God and to the welcome them in. How awesome is it is that we as a church have the privilege to welcome outsiders and to make them feel like family. How cool is that? We got to welcome the outsider. Number three, we have to remember the forgotten. Verse three says this, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if, as if you yourselves were suffering. Know anybody who's ever been incarcerated for a crime or, or how about for a crime they didn't even commit? For, for something they didn't even do. We, we used to have a, a gentleman in our church who was our sound engineer for a while, and he actually went to jail for a crime he didn't commit. He spent 10 years, and then he was finally exonerated of that crime. How amazing is that? And even right now in our world, there are people that are, that are imprisoned for things they haven't done, or they're being persecuted for their faith. They're being mistreated for how they believe and what they believe. Our world is full of these people right now. And God says, do not forget them. Remember them as if you yourselves are where they are in prison. Remember them as if you yourselves are suffering. In other words, don't forget about them. Embrace the down and out ones among you. Pray for them and even visit them. As a church, before COVID happened, we were getting ready to take people into the county jail. And I was able to go and partner with a good friend of mine who's the chaplain there, uh, Kenny. If you guys know Kenny, he's been there for a long time. And uh, this is something as a church that we actually want to step into as we move into the days ahead. We want to be able to visit those who are in prison and bring the good news of Jesus to them. Remember the forgotten. Number four today, protect your marriage at all costs. Verse four says this, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. Come on, somebody. For God will judge the adulterer and all of the sexually immoral. Now, Jesus made it very clear that adultery actually begins within the heart. That what defiles a person is not what goes into them, but what comes out of them, out of the heart itself. And the same is true with our marriages. What threatens our marriages typically comes from within, which is why we've got to learn how to protect our marriages at all costs, which means we've got to learn how to guard our hearts at all costs. We got to know how to build safe boundaries around things that cause us to struggle or cause us to be tempted. Can I give you a little acronym today, a little something for free that's not in my notes? Here it is, HALT. H-A-L-T, halt. This is what you need to do when you're feeling tempted, when you're feeling seduced, when you're feeling not yourself. And how do you know? Because you're H, hungry. <laughs> you're A, angry. You're L, lonely, or you're T, tired. You're not your best or at your best when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. These are moments where our hearts break down, where the, the walls or boundaries around the things that we wanna protect often are at their weakest, which is why we've gotta protect our marriages at all costs. We gotta protect our hearts at all costs. We gotta learn how to resist temptation when it comes a knock and not give it a nice warm place to sleep at night. Come on, somebody. Amen? All right, number five. Love God, not your money. Verse five says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you or never will I forsake you. Anybody ever hear the phrase money talks? It's true. And so does God. And here's what God says. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I've got all that you need. I've got more than enough for you. I will meet your needs according to my riches in 
glory. In other words, the question is, whose voice are we going to listen to? The voice that says you need more, right? You remember the character Gordon Gecko from the old movie Wall Street? What's the answer? More, right? Greed is good. We got to have more. And we live in a culture saturated with this idea of more. We've got to have more. And we're looking to the left and we're looking to the right and we're looking at all of our friends and our neighbors and what they have or what they've accomplished or what we strive to be. And we slowly start becoming seduced into moving our eyes off of what God has given us and what we should be grateful for. Here's how you keep your life free from the love of money. You learn how to be content with what you have. Isn't that what the scripture says? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Contentment means that you're not worried about what other people have or you're not being enticed by not having enough. The Bible says, be content with what you have because God will not leave you or forsake you. The remedy to the love of money is contentment in God. It's trusting in him. And Jesus says that you can either love God or love money. You can't do both at the same time. You can either serve God or serve money or, or mammon he uses, which is the God of this world, the God of money. The Bible also says that the, the root of all evil, the root of all evil is the love of money. Not some evils, all evil. Just let that sink in for a moment. So the question today is, who are you going to trust? Whose voice are you going to listen to? Can I encourage you? Love God, not your money. And verse six goes on to say this. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. See, when you know the Lord is your helper, your shepherd, your source, your provider, you do not have to fear. Amen? Because perfect love casts, all, casts out all fear. Number six, follow the faithful. Follow the faithful. Verse seven says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember those who taught you the word, consider their life and imitate their faith. In other words, don't follow the flashy, follow the faithful. Don't follow the flashy, follow the faithful. Look at at the lives of those who've been following Jesus just a little bit longer than you. Consider their life, imitate their faith, follow their way, learn from them what to do and also what not to do because chances are they probably made a few mistakes and we can learn from those as well, amen? Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and you will become what? Wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Associate with fools and you'll get in trouble. My, my friend Doug here used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So who are you associating with? Foolish folk or wise people? I'll tell you what, I want more wise people in my life. Amen? Follow the faithful. Number seven, avoid the trend traps. Verse nine goes on to say this, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Anybody ever been approached by somebody who's like, you got to read this book, man. It, it changes everything. Uh, you got to listen to this, this lady's podcast. It's mind blowing. It's going to change your life. Be careful. Be careful. You might just find yourself in a trend trap, a trend trap. These are, these are things that are here today, but gone tomorrow. Anybody remember the Da Vinci code? Yeah, I remember that one. How about uh, The Secret? Anyone remember that one? Yeah, I remember The Secret. Uh, You Are the Universe, yeah. Love Wins, yeah. I remember all these these trendy, flashy, faddish 
works that come along to entice us to consider that maybe they've figured out the secrets of the universe. You know what we're called to do as a people of God? Trust in the eternal, unchanging word of the Lord. Amen? So we gotta avoid trend traps, number seven. And, and number eight, stay eternity-minded. Verse 12 goes on to say, and so Jesus suffered outside the city to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us, let us as the people of God, go to him outside the camp, bearing the marks of his disgrace that he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We gotta stay eternity-minded. It's so easy for us to think short-term about things. It's so easy for us to get stuck thinking about the temporal. The truth is, this world is not our permanent home. We are looking, like the text says here, for an enduring city to come. The city of the living God. I taught about it last week. Heavenly Jerusalem itself coming from heaven to earth at the end of the age, which means our lives are part of a much bigger story being told. And the invitation is for you and I to find ourselves, find our purpose, find our meaning in that story that God is telling, to bear our cross with that eternity in mind, to worship with eternity in mind, to serve with eternity in mind, to give with eternity in mind. We gotta stay eternity-minded, church, amen? Number nine, we gotta put praise in our mouths. Put praise in your mouth. Verse 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. The Bible says to us that there is power, there, the, the, actually that the power of life itself and death itself is in our tongues, which means that we can use our mouths to bless or we can use our mouths to curse. How are you using your mouth today? The writer here encourages us to use our mouths to give praise to God. He says this is the fruit of, of lips or the fruit of a mouth, of a, of a life that openly professes the name of the Lord. Because like we were singing about earlier in that first song, praise is, is like a weapon that we use to push back against darkness, to push back against dark thoughts, to push back against the stuff that comes for our souls, the cynicism and that jaded thing that tries to set in as you get older, Right? Praise invites God to come and rule or, or to literally inhabit your atmosphere, your life, to literally reign and rule over your heart through your confession of faith, through the way that you use your mouth and your tongue. Psalm 22 verse three declares that God inhabits the praises of his people. So let's put some praise in our mouth today. Number nine, or excuse me, number 10, do good and live generously. How are we doing? We doing good? Well, good. Verse 16 says this, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased. As much as you and I have the means, we should strive to do good and to live generously, to share what we have with others. As a church, this is one of our core values that we would be a people that are committed to extravagant, lavish generosity. And we do this through our time, we do this through our talent, we do this through our treasure, through our, our time, investing time in things that matter, things that are eternal. We do it through our talents and the gifts that God has given us. Many of you, uh, you go with us out into the city and you serve and you minister, and that's a, an amazing way that you can do good and be generous. And then of course with our treasure, with our resources, with our money. Let's do good and let's be a lavishly generous people, Courageous Church. Number 11, and we're turning the corner here. You gotta come under authority. Verse 17 says, have confidence in your leaders 
and submit to their authority. We don't like that word submit in our culture today. But the, the writer here says, because they actually have to keep watch over you as those who give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy. Say it with me, a joy and not a burden. For that would not be of benefit to you. The, the truth is this, no one is truly free to do whatever they want. Everyone is called to submit their life to someone or something. As those who profess to follow Jesus, we do this by submitting our lives to his lordship and his care. And we do this by submitting to both earthly and spiritual leaders. Anyone remember the uh, Roman centurion that Jesus encounters? In the book of Luke, I want you to check this out. It'll be up on the screen, but chapter seven, verses six through nine says this, Jesus was not far from the house when the centurion, a centurion was the captain of a hundred soldiers. So this guy was the man. So this centurion sent friends to say to Jesus, Lord, don't even trouble yourself for I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I don't consider myself even worthy to come to you. So he sends his servant out to talk to Jesus. But say the word and my servant will be healed. And here's what he goes on to say next, which is so curious to me. Verse eight, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one go and he goes and I say to another come and he comes and I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus hears this or heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I've not even found such faith in all of Israel. This is one of only two times in all of scripture where it says that Jesus marvels or that he was amazed. It says that he was amazed at this man's faith. This was a Roman centurion, a rough dude, a soldier, uh, a Gentile. He had no covenant with God. And yet Jesus himself was amazed at this man's faith. And how did this man demonstrate such faith? By coming under authority. He says, I am a man under authority. You see, in coming under authority, we demonstrate great faith by honoring God and those who have to give an account for our lives. You say, but what if I submit to this person and they abuse that authority? They're going to have to give an account for the way that they utilize the authority that was given to them. And that should encourage us, especially in a year of election. Come on, somebody. Which means that we need to do this in a way that causes our leaders or those that have to give an account great joy and not great grief. And I want to say this as your pastor, I'm thankful that the majority of you do this in such a way that brings us great joy as your leaders. Finally, number 12, you got to pray like you mean it. Verse 18 says this, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. Verse 19, but I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Here in verses 18, 19, we are urged to pray. Uh, in other places in, in the New Testament, like 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we are urged to pray without ceasing because this is God's will for our life, to pray for each other, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our city, to pray for our nation, to pray. And you see, prayer is not just this well-wishing or this cosmic gambling. You're not just sending out good vibes into the universe. No, prayer is the ongoing conversation that you and I get to have with the God of the heavens who has the power to change every circumstance to fit his perfect and pleasing will for our lives. You know what we call that? We call that partnership. We are coming into partnership with 
God through prayer. What an amazing reality. What an incredible invitation that God gives us as the church to pray in such a way that God will move on your behalf and mine. Amen? It's powerful. And that's why in James 5.16, it says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective, meaning it works, which means we've got to pray like we believe it, church. We got to pray like we mean it. We got to pray like everything depends upon God answering our prayers because, and the truth is, it does. Amen? In conclusion, I think these are our 12 simple rules that anybody can follow that will lead you to live a life full of purpose and promise and blessing as you follow them. I I hope today in this short time that we've been together, you've been blessed. And even throughout this series, as we've walked step-by-step, verse-by-verse through the book of Hebrews, my great hope is that you'd be encouraged to live a life, not of this world, a life that's uncommon, a life that's holy, a life that's different, a life that's truly fulfilling to the purposes of God for you. In the same way that the writer closes out this amazing letter to his church, this is my benediction and my final prayer that I want to leave you guys with today. So stand up on your feet. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Here it is. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.